ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule podcast. Every once in a while, you come across someone who feels so genuine and so passionate about the work that they do. And when you get to speak to them, it's so easy. And that's the way it was when I met Lisa Marie Platsky. She is my guest today, and I want to give you some background into her um, her wonderful accolades because she really does know her stuff. She's an award-winning leadership expert in human behavior. She has received accolades from the White House, the United States Small Business Administration, and the International Alliance for Women. She's recognized as one of the top 100 women making a difference in the world. Lisa Marie left her federal law enforcement career to be the CEO of an international leadership development company, Upside Thinking, Inc. She delivers presentations worldwide, sharing research on how vulnerability and forgiveness are critical to exceptional leadership, as well as her proven seven-step leadership model centered on connection, positioning, and executive presence. She's an international best-selling author in five countries and has written or co-authored seven books. A member of the Forbes Coaches Council and a regular contributor to Forbes.com, she has trained or coached over 100,000 leaders around the globe to make a bigger positive impact on the planet since 2005. She lives on Summit Hills Farm in the Bluegrass region in Kentucky, where she runs her online business without internet access. And I know we're going to get into that a little bit in our conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. Please meet Lisa Marie Platsky. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule podcast. Again, I'm Janice Porter, your host, and I'm really excited about my guest with me today. Uh, Her name is Lisa Marie Platsky. And first of all, welcome to the show, Lisa Marie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here, Janice. Delighted. Relationships are my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great, great pleasure. And, you know, as with so many of my guests, I'm fortunate enough to have met them on LinkedIn and I met you on LinkedIn and we hit it off. Well, we tried to to set up a time to talk for the longest time, but I know things happen when they're supposed to. And we finally had a conversation um, a couple of months ago, I think it was. And uh, we never stopped talking. It was delightful. And so I'm very, very uh, pleased to have you on the show today. And let's, first of all, I'd love you to share with the audience. You're coming to us from Kentucky. Tell us about the, the life that you lead there, because it's like, so what I wasn't expecting. Yeah, it is not what I was expecting (laughs) either. And we talked a little bit about that. So, you know, I live on a farm in Kentucky and I do not have internet. So I have an online business without internet, which is, you know, such a, such a interesting journey. Like it just, Oxymoron, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. I don't even know how to explain that. Um, And I've been there since December of 2020. 
one. So it's been a little over a year that I've been there uh, on a a daily basis. That means that I end up in places like this, which is the public library to be able to have internet. And my excitement is that I just might get it at the farm. But really what that's done for me is that in my business, when I'm sitting at, and when I'm sitting in at the farmhouse and I'm working and I realize that I need something else. Like my body is telling me, get up and move. I go outside and I take a walk on the land and it is such a a feeling of, of peace and such a feeling of clearing of the mind that when I come back, I'm so much more productive. So it's interesting because you speak about relationships and relationships are so many different versions. And for me, the farm has given me a relationship with the land that has really helped my business. So interesting, right? Because you never know what it is that's going to um, spark something else in you. Um, and so the work that you do, I know, is is it's based on leadership, right? It's yes. teaching people how to become leaders, the best leaders they can be in, in their business and also in life, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. Cause you can't separate the two. You are one human. So. Yes. So, um, I, I would like to just read this little piece from your bio right now. And that's that you, um, that you, uh, see your, your bio says you're a leadership expert in human behavior. Right. And, uh, you have received accolades from a lot of different places and have been recognized as one of the top 100 women making a difference in the world. So what today with your business upside thinking, which I love the name upside thinking Inc. And I know you do a summit that you just did a summit upside summit, right? Yes. So, um, are you, um, when are you at your best with your work when you're working, when you're speaking in front of a a large audience or when you're working one-on-one with somebody? I'm just curious. What a great question. So when I started my business, it was a, you know, leadership evolution. It was, I'm going to go and do trainings. I'm going to uh, do keynotes. I'm going to have these modules in leadership. And I loved the one to many, I, you know, concept. And so when people would ask me, will you coach me one-on-one? My answer was no. Like there are other people out there that that's their genius. That's their area of expertise. And for me, it's one to many. So whether the stage had three or whether the stage had 13,000, it didn't matter to me. It was just being able to go and deliver the material. And what happened for me was as people would ask me for the, the, the ability to work one-on-one. And I would say, no, some of the coaches that I referred people to came back to me and said, well, they really want your work one-on-one. And so I thought, well, doesn't that limit, you know, what, what actually can happen in the transformation. And what I recognize is that anytime I ever went to a training and I didn't have an accountability system for the material, Mm -hmm. the material didn't last. Like it was a great experience and I took stuff and I may have written down a whole lot of notes, but I didn't necessarily embody the material. Maybe pieces of it. And maybe you've had the same experience. And so I started to do some research on it because I'm just a very curious person. And I like research to be able to back things up, the art and science and I found that uh, there, there have been you know, studies on that. Ken Blanchard, who's, who's a leadership expert, has done some work on that, saying that training is effective to a certain 
percentage. And I, I don't want to quote what the percentage is. I don't remember it was like 40% or, or something like that. But as far as retention goes, you don't get into the 90th percentile until you add coaching with it. And so for me, for the sense of effectiveness in like being effective and having it actually land, if you're going to take time off or something, I went, oh, that's interesting. So if I don't offer this as another piece, then you can't really embody it or really learn it. And so I've, I've come to love, I, I do, I do both. And I've come to love the one-on-one -on -one and the group coaching and the coaching programs. And I have retreats and I have my annual summit, you know, once a year. And the part about the coaching is because I understand then that you can take material that, that you can then have accountability for to ensure that you're utilizing it. So it's a great question because I don't know that anybody's ever asked me that. And I don't know that I've ever broken it down for myself as to why that is. It's just that I, I, I believe that if you're going to be, if you're going to take time out for anything, reading a book, watching a podcast, listening to something, how are you going to actually implement and learn? And what does that actually look like? So I know like you work with people also one-on-one -on -one, and there's a different experience there than if you teach a class and both are valuable. They're just different. It's true. Um, though I, I found the, the opposite, like, I totally agree with what you're saying because I've been to so many, you know, three-day workshops, webinars, seminars, whatever you want to call them. And, um, I've gone, you know, in person to things and you've got a notebook full of information that you come home with, and then that's it. And it, you come back to reality and you maybe remembered one or two things that you mm -hmm. can implement, but that's about it. Well, <clears throat> with my LinkedIn training, one to one on one, I find that if I work with someone for two hours, four hours, six hours over a period of time, um, I still feel that when they leave, they're not going to make LinkedIn a habit and there's something missing. And I've started to, um, I'm trying to, um, to build a community of, I don't know, right now it's once a month. I don't know if it should be twice a month to get people to come with their questions, to be accountable, to see how much they've used LinkedIn in the last month, because otherwise all the training that they did with me is wasted. Exactly. Even Thank though, you. yeah, it's the opposite. So uh, that I'm going from the one-to-one -to, -one to a group thing. It's the same principle that you need to go back and be able to say, well, I didn't quite understand this, or can you show me this again? Or in your case, I would think deepening the, yeah. right. The, the concepts yeah. that, that you've taught them. So that's really interesting. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things you speak about in, in what you just said is that the reason why is because you're building relationship. And so in building relationship, the connection to the material, the connection to others on the same journey, the connection is really. And so when you go to something and you don't have the opportunity to be in community around it, the likelihood of you taking action. So it could be the one-on-one -on -one or it could be, you know, a group coaching or it could be but it's like, what is the relationship for the continuity to be yeah. able to embody the, the, whatever is being, being learned. And I don't know that I got that early on. Like there was something about, well, I'm going to deliver this information and people are going to get it. And if you look at brain science, you know, we, we, as humans don't do that. You know, we need more than that. We need community. We need connection. We need relationship. We need 
a, a variety of ways to receive information one-on-one in a group, in questions, in dialogue, in larger settings. Like that's how, that's how humans, you know, operate. It's not a silo, just take off and, and, and be able to run with it for the majority of people. You know, there might be 5% of the population, but very, very small group of people that can do that on their own. Not well, not one of them. So yeah, well, I also think that you know this this is kind of interesting because I there are so many um coaches, trainers, all of that sort of the people who are imparting the information who are very much just about themselves and about that because they're they're climbing a ladder or they're they're um they're moving on to the next part of, you know, what they are learning as well to then impart the next piece of, but relationship isn't that important for them. So they don't see that, right. They just move on. And, and so, um, it's like one of my, um, referral business partners, um, that does one part of LinkedIn that I refer my people to him because I don't do that. Um, the reason I liked him in the first place was because he cared as I do to have people be able to call him one-on-one if they're, or he'll talk to them once a week and make sure that they're doing what needs to be done. Most of the people in the the role that he does, they don't do that. It's just a system. So it's, it's really, you're right. It comes all down to how we care about people. Yep. Absolutely. And, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with the other, like there's some people who, who really, they genuinely think that's all they need. It's just that what I've learned about me and how I learn and my learning style is that Uh early on, I didn't, so let me take a step back early on. I didn't see that like Janice, I would, I would like, I remember signing up for a, a business coach in my business really early on. And she was like, you should be part of this mastermind. And I was like, why do I want to be with all these people? And, you know, I just want to work with you one-on-one. And what I recognized was it wasn't so much whether or not we all had the exact same issues in our businesses. It was really more that in hearing other people and what they're doing, it sparked something in me that allowed me to do something. So if you're in like, say a LinkedIn community, or if you're in a leadership community, like the coaching I offer, you're going to hear people who might work in very different industries, but what's possible is they may have an idea that sparks something that you go, oh, wow, like I could really be doing that. Not that you need more things to do, but really about streamlining and about what's out there. And I didn't understand that value early on in business because it was like, well, I want this, I want the solution and the answer, which is why the one-on-one seemed valuable to me. But as you speak about, it's like, there's so much more and it's not possible for you to go to someone. It's not possible for me to hire someone for coaching for my business and expect them to take the 30, 40 years of what they've been doing and put it in several one hour sessions for me. Like it's not possible. There's always more. So if it's a topic that's important to, to, to dive into, you have to have ways to be able to do that. And that's one of the things that I really appreciated about you speaking about relationship because that's relationship to the material. It's relationship to to the experience of growth, it's relationship to experience of self. It's, it's, it's all, you know, it's all, all relationship. And yeah, for sure. Um, you said something 
Um, the fellow I was talking to before you and I, we were talking about his new business and he was, he quoted, he, uh, he doesn't know if it's exact, but it's a quote from the girl guides of America. And it's, and I wrote it down because I think I might have to try and write something about it. It only takes one spark to start a fire. Yeah. And we were just talking about spark. Yep. The spark yep. So I just thought that's so ironic that, um, we're in the same. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So this morning I came across an article on or a, a blog post that you had done in it. I think it was re recreated on a re posted on LinkedIn today. And I loved it because um, it talks. It, well, I'm going to read the first sentence. One of the biggest decisions in life is figuring out when to hold on and when to let go of something or someone, which yeah. I love that because um and you say, because I'm committed to improvement and taking intentional purpose-led action, my formula is designed with those commitments. Each day I ask myself, what, who, how, and who? And in answering these, I get more clear on how to improve and take action with that clarity and purpose, rinse and repeat. And I love that. And so the article is, is really interesting. And what I what I I'd love you to talk about it because um, it, it felt to me as though it was really being clear now on your relationship with yourself and that guides, I know that you go ahead and tell me more because I know we talked a little bit about it before we turned on the recording, but it's such a, an important piece to be able to let go when you need to and not, you know, hang on to things or people. For too long. Well, I think that's been the season that I've been in. In fact, I had a conversation with my business coach recently and I said, you know, like, what's my thing that I'm to be doing? Like where, you know, I, I have a, a new program about the divine operating system. I've got a client portal that I've been putting together. You know, we have dates for the new summit in, in January of 2024, the retreats are coming together, but what's my next iteration of, of, upside thinking. What's the next iteration of me? Yeah. And in that conversation with him, I had a really big aha, a really profound aha. And it ties into what you just said. And it is that sometimes there is this element when you're in business or in life where something is working or many things are working. And so it's like gathering. It's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And at some point, you know, your hands are just full. Like you don't have any more room to gather all the good things unless you decide which one of those good things you're going to let go of. And the letting go of might be a system. It might be a process. And sometimes it's people. And sometimes those are even people that you work with, clients. They may be colleagues that were once, you know, trusted colleagues. And it doesn't mean that they're less trusted colleagues. It just means that to go to the next iteration of wherever it is that you're to go, you can't take everything that you've already got and add more on. And for me, I'm someone that I don't like the letting go process. I don't like the, the process of saying goodbye to people or places, or I, I don't like that. I mean, even when I think about it on, 
on um, on platforms when it's like friending or unfriending people, it feels terrible. And yet there are times when it's like that season has has ended, that chapter has closed and it has nothing to do with placing an objective, um, an adjective on it about it being bad or good. Right. It's just that in order to go where you're to go, you can no longer carry this. You can no longer fit this in your hands any longer. And, and that to me um, is, is a challenging process for me to be in the examination of what to let go of. And so that article that I had written about, you know, about the what and the how and the who, you know, for me are an examination of self, of where I am about, you know, what gets my time, what gets my precious minutes of time and what needs to be changed in my time. Right now I'm looking at ways in which, you know, there's just an overabundance of activity and my team is somewhat maxed out. So I've got to, got to look at that. And then an examination of how the time is getting used in order to be able to get the results so that I'm effective. You know, I'm not somebody who is, you know, I don't use AI to be able to write articles or to be able to write chapters of my books or things like that. And yet I believe that something like AI is beneficial. So, you know, are there ways that there are new tools on the market that I'm just not using and could be using to make things a bit more effective for me? Uh, and then the um, the other part is like, people like the people that I'm with are there people that have got to go because our conversations are just not not that they don't have something wonderful and I don't have something wonderful but it together we're not creating anything any longer and and they're not advancing me being the most optimal version of me at this season at this interaction at this intersection so you know there there's there's that part that I'm an examination of and then who is it that is going to help me get to where I want to go and who's actually getting in the way of that? And so this is a regular process for me to be to look at. So years ago, when I was in federal law enforcement, the examination came once a year in an annual review, you know, on the job, like that's what it looked like. And so for most employment, you know, that's it. Maybe they do a half year review or something like that. Advanced organizations might do a quarterly review, but for most people, it's this annual review. And in my business, I recognized that there had to be things that I put into place that allowed for a weekly examination and a daily examination. Wow. You know, have I moved the needle forward? You know, have I taken two steps back and I don't notice? And early on, because I've done this for 18 years now, this business early on, I would wait too long and I would be going down a path too long and then go, this isn't working. But by the time I did it, I had wasted so much time, so many precious minutes. And I had drugged people along that I really didn't, that didn't, that weren't going where I was going. Right. And it just felt really hard. So this idea of what does it look like to be in daily examination, in weekly examination, in monthly examination, not just with myself, but with my team to ensure we're actually doing something of value. We are a force for good on the planet. Mm -hmm. So 
um, that's where that article was actually, you know, was, was the space of me kind of telling the story of what that looks for me. Cause I don't like to let go. Like I really, I like to accumulate mm-hmm. and, and there's, if you're going to look at what's next, you have to constantly be looking at what you have to say goodbye to who you have to say goodbye to and, and who you need on your team. Mm-hmm. You know, for me at the farm, I need a far more people than I ever did at my house in Virginia or Miami, or like I need far more people to be able to manage these 86 acres. And, and, you know, and for me in the business 18 years ago, I could have just an assistant and it was enough. Yeah. And now it's like, there, there are people that do things that allow me to be in more places, so to speak. So, um, and people who help my mind to make sure that I'm not in problem solving mode, but rather in forward thinking mode. So, well, and, and your genius is when you're in front of other people, uh, teaching, training, uh, speaking. And so that's where you want to be most of the time, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what would you, so what would you say it takes? Cause I I'm guessing that do you mo- well i shouldn't say i'm guessing like do, um what do you think it takes today to be a leader and when i say that i mean there are business leaders in big corporations but there's also entrepreneurs who are leaders of self and leaders of smaller enterprises right so i don't know whether it, what applies to one would apply to the other i i think so but i don't know yeah, absolutely. So that's such a great question. And for me, when I started this journey, I had that same question. You know, I had the same question and why I wanted it was if I was in the government and I taught at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, I taught at the Leadership Development Center in in the United States for Homeland Security and I wanted to know like getting out into business. I I didn't have a anybody in my family who knew anyone from business. I didn't know anyone who owned one. So for me, I wanted to figure out the secrets myself. So I started to interview people who were in corporate, in nonprofit leadership, in uh, entrepreneurial world, small business world, mid-sized businesses. I started to interview all of these people, people who stayed at home with their families, people who the variety of leadership that was out there and looked for themes, asked questions. And there were seven themes that came up over and over and over again. And I put those into my seven areas of well-being. Um, it's not seven areas of well-being. That's actually in one of the pillars, my seven pillars of leadership, which is actually what I teach at the Upside Summit. And you have a book on it too, right? I don't have a book on it yet. Oh, I thought you did. Okay. Oh, no. that one's coming. <laughs> it is coming. It okay. is coming. People have been asking about that for a while. And it's like <laughs> one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, okay. I haven't gotten that God nudge yet, but I, I have this year. And so the seven so pillars, what you do, the seven pillars, they all start with P and uh, the first one is, is plan. And so it was, it was it's really create, it, it's to be able to, build an effective plan by starting with the end in mind. That's what all of these people did is they, they had an idea of where it is that they were going. And the, the second thing was understand your personality. They all really understood that the things in who, how they were wired could hinder their plan or could help their plan. Mm-hmm. And they really understood who they were 
So, you know, that's, that's, that was number two. Number three is, is to be able to build powerful partnership. They had partners that were not necessarily formal partners, but this huge cadre of people to partner with in ideas and projects and masterminding that it was almost like their invisible sales force for those that were in business. And also for those that weren't in business, the ability to literally pick up the phone at almost anything that was going on was, was kind of incredible. And it's why I, you know, I, I'm so proud now I can say that I have a billion dollar database of friends with business benefits. Like that's really what it is. And, and you understand that and have your own, have your own. Um, so that was number three. Number four is to live your priority. And so priority, not priorities. They understood singularly the one thing that they was most important in their life that they were moving towards. And that's where those seven areas of well-being came in, because in priority, understanding that you've got to be well, you know, you yourself have to be well in order to be able to move towards that priority physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, financially, relationally, and, and in your work. And so number five is to build a meaningful and memorable presence, to, to build a meaningful and memorable presence. And so what do I mean by that? Like I found that these were leaders that they understood that there were three components to presence and presence was being present and in the moment mm -hmm. presence was understanding that people will make judgments on 11 different areas over the course of seven seconds, 11 impressions about who you are. Yeah. So that matters, you know, what, what it is that you're actually exuding and putting out there. And the third component to this was positioning, uh, what to say, who to say it to, how to say it. And they really understood this as a, as a, as a, an art and science form. So that was number five. Number six was evaluating your progress, which goes back to what we've talked about, which is stepping in and going, what's working? What's not working? What could I do better? And the final one was investing in personal and professional development. They didn't just invest in industry only items. They actually invested in themselves as people. And I recognized for myself early on, that I had done a lot of things to grow my business, but I hadn't done a lot of things to grow me. And I was like, you know, you're violating your own principle of leadership that you can't be better if you're not also simultaneously working on, on you. Mm -hmm. And what that looks like is different for other people. So when I look at, you know, what in today's world, you know, would a leader have, they actually work on those items and being, a you know, the evolution of leadership to, to be a leader worth following is about that looking at what are the things that you invest in so that you're not putting new information into, into um, a self that isn't an upgraded model. Now, I always say like there's a, a part in my business where I put new wine into old wine skins because I hadn't, I hadn't worked on me. And both are so important. And so when I look at 
leaders what they do they really work on those seven areas and then if you're to look at the one percent like the mastery like the best of the best of the best of the best they really have vision vulnerability and voice dialed in Mm-hmm. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that their level of clarity is impeccable. Their ability to forgive and let go is impeccable. Emotional mastery and their ability to actually speak in a way that has people mm-hmm. truly gather around them is mm-hmm. masterful. Um, so, you know, and so many more things, but it doesn't matter whether you're entrepreneur or in corporate or that doesn't matter. No, I think, wow, there's a lot there. And thank you for sharing all that because um, it, it made me actually made me think that you were like uh, the Napoleon Hill of today, you know, <laughs> interviewing the people for different reasons, maybe or maybe not. But, um, you know, his was all about leadership, yeah. too, in that sense. But um, this is uh, obviously uh, fodder for your next book. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love, though, that you said that I know it's the top, the creme de la creme that have vision, vulnerability and um, and voice. Um, those are the the. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, they ha- oh, they have charisma, they have charisma, right? Uh, when and so people follow because they have that presence about them and it's it's mm-hmm. kind of so interesting to watch and that can be somebody at any different level it's yep. just that they draw you in so easily and you're one of those people i have to say that you are one of those people because um and i'm sure that that is an aspiration that you have because you've worked on yourself and you work um at what you do and and i think having that um that ability to see the, like you said, the science and the and the and the art of it, or the you know, there's two different sides to things. Not everybody can see that. People often are just you know in their head, and they're they're more abst, um, you know, they're the analyst and they, they're analytical, but they don't see the softer side, or they don't see right. And I think you seem to have both, and that's what I think makes people uh, makes people drawn to people like you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, 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 I just think I've made a lot of mistakes and in making the mistakes, you have two choices. You either figure out how to fix it mm-hmm. and be better, or you ignore it and you keep doing the same thing over and over again. Like those are really, you know, your, your two options. And I think that for myself early on, there was a piece of me in life. If I look back at my twenties and thirties, where I was so arrogant to think like people should just deal with me the way I am, right? Like they, they should just deal with, this is just how I am. And over time, I, and I, and I get angel bumps with this. I recognized that you know, my responsibility, you know, really my responsibility is for me to, in being a force for good, if I want to do that, it means that the connection to other people requires me to figure out how to be able to deeply connect with other humans. And, um, that's an unacceptable way of being to just go, well, you know, just figure it out. You just figure out how, you know, how to deal with this person. And it's taken me, you know, just truly, um, you know, decades to be able to do work on me 
to, to, I'm a very passionate person. And my husband, you know, used to say early on, like, you know, why are you so angry? And I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm just <laughs> passionate. Right. Yeah. And, and now he really gets it that I am. And it's not, it, if that is how someone else's perception is, it is their reality and it is my responsibility to be able to understand that. So years ago, when I was in prayer, I remember asking God, like, what's the most important thing for me to do in business? And I heard him say love, and I would never have given that answer. That's how I know it was God. And so, um, cause I would have given myself something else that was more, you know, like, here's a, you know, write three posts or do something yeah. like that. Right. I would give myself that. And I remember then being in prayer and going like, why, what a ridiculous thing to say. And he was like, you make things too complicated. And I was like, maybe, but you know, I don't understand that as sort of an assignment. And over the years, I'm like, I do like, that's really all there is. And so I had to love me first and for my own mistakes to really get out of my own way. And so I can honestly say that I don't know that I would have wanted to work with me or be around me years ago. And looking back at some of the issues that I had in the government, I understand why. And yet the journey to look at those things and examine has been hard, like to admit that, to be able to, to say that, um, I don't like, but it goes back to what you talked about earlier, or, and it goes back to what you talked about, letting go, you know, what is it that's getting in the way? So if you want to be in relationship with others and there's this thing that gets in the way, you know, if you point out everybody else's faults and you don't look at the freaking <laughs> plank in your own eye, you know, you're not going to, then no, no change gets affected on the planet. So yeah. I, you know, that's my, you know, that's my commitment is like, Anytime anything goes wrong, even if someone else did it, I'm still responsible. What, what in me created that or didn't do so I can take responsibility for it. Well, that's the only thing that you can uh, have any uh, effect on anyway. That's the only thing you can change is what it, however you were. So, and that, it's taken me a long time to figure that one out too. Um, I had a lot of experiences in my early days of teaching where I was the angry young woman that, you know, was dealing with a, a, a my first school principal who he was a bit off the rails, but I had to, if I look back now down on how I was then, um, I could have handled things a lot differently the way yep. I, from when I did then, but you know, you exactly you live and learn. This has been like amazing. I could probably talk to you for another two hours. So we may have to have you come back if you will, at some point, um, Lisa Marie, I would just love that. Um, one last um, thought you would like to leave with my audience around leadership and the work that you do, um, just something to take away. Well, there's something that I say all the time in business, and it's the world needs you and your brilliance. And that didn't start off as a, a marketing mantra or, you know, a tagline or a signature line. The world needs you and your brilliance. I would love to leave that and have people really, you know, put that on their calendar or have it be a source of reflection for them. Because how I look at it is every single person has this light within them. And when that light actually gets, you know, turned up, uh, a little bit, a little bit brighter and it gets those gifts and abilities and talents and experiences that are uniquely yours get 
shared with others, the world is better. And it's the only way we make the world better. So whatever someone's unique genius is, when they shine their light and do that, everybody wins. So, you know, the world needs you and your brilliance. Remember that it's not a marketing <laughs> tagline, it's truth. And, um, and you, you know, you, it, if I can leave anyone with anything, that would be the thing to remember. Perfect. That's just perfect. And if people want to find out more about you, they can go to your website, I'm assuming, upside, yes. upsidethinking.com. And I'll put that in the show notes. Um, and Beautiful. if there's anything else you want me to put there, I will do that as well. Thank, Thank you, so, you so much for your time and for your brilliance as well. I appreciate it so much. And thank you to my audience again for listening. And please, um, if you enjoyed what you heard, share it, leave a, um, a review. We would love to hear from you. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.